All right, thank you, family. Thank you all for having me back. You all, we're gonna start in Deuteronomy, uh, the chapter six, starting in verse number four. Tonight, I wanna challenge everyone that's listening. This is a challenge for you, and not only for you to challenge yourselves, but for everyone that is not on tonight, for you to challenge them as well. What legacy are we as the church as a whole and individually leaving behind? What are other folks going to remember us for? When you look at the church as a whole, what is, what is the, the community going to remember this church as if you die and you're gone? What are your children going to remember you for? And I thought Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 was a beautiful place to start. And it, this is what they call the great Shema. And so I'm going to start here, try my best to walk us through so you can look at your legacy, ask yourself some tough questions as well as we're going through the lesson. I'm reading the New American Standard Bible. Let us begin. In Deuteronomy 6 and 4, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Listen to what he tells them. You should love the, God, Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He goes on to say, These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you should talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you should bind them as signs on your hands and they should be as frontals on your forehead. You should write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Listen, listen to how diligently God put this out to Israel, the legacy that he wanted his folks to be known for and how they were to respect and reverence him. And if they would do this, all the nation would know this as well. All the nations would know this as well. You all, it's amazing that there's one part of this, this text that Israel was able to carry on throughout the generation. The rest they had forgotten. I wanna take you to Matthew 23. Then we're going to walk back uh, to uh, walk our way back to the Old Testament. But I want to go to Matthew 23 to show you this, this one particular thing that they seem to have mastered. And I want you to think about yourselves, think about the congregation, and see that we do the same exact thing today. So if you look at, if you look at Matthew, the chapter is 23. I love this chapter. Matthew, the chapter is 23. Very, very beautiful chapter of the Bible. Matthew chapter 23, verse number one. Watch what the Bible says. Matthew 23, verse one. Here's God has already said, here's the legacy. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want to make sure that you remember me and generations after you remember me. But watch what the Bible says. Then Jesus spoke to the crowd and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Man, does mankind love to be first? We love being first. We love the chief seats. We, we love to be first. And he goes on and says, Therefore, all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. Do you all, do we want to be known for something like that? That we don't practice what we preach? Preachers who are listening. Do we want to be known as a preacher who doesn't practice what we preach. How many of us are open and loving? How, how many of us have an inviting attitude? 
to the congregation, to each individual, each individual member, that they feel comfortable coming to talk with you and knowing whatever they say is going to stay with you. How many folks are comfortable to do that, that you have that type of disposition? Sisters of the congregation, how many of you all are that way as well? My brethren, how many of you all possess that type of disposition? When he goes on here, he says, he says, they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders. Now watch what he says. But they themselves were not or unwilling to move them with a finger. Now here's where I want you to catch how they brought this throughout the generations here is one word. The Bible says, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men for they brought them there phylactery. See, in Deuteronomy chapter six, God said, bind it in your hand. They, they, would, they, they would carry a phylactery in their hand. A phylactery was put on papyrus paper or animal skin, and they would bind it in their hand or put it as a frontal on their forehead. And they carried around a scripture, but yet they didn't live by the very things that they carried around. Oh, they were known to appear as holy, but they were not holy. See, they were leaving a legacy that they appeared to be holy. Jesus said, they're not holy. Because they say things and do things and tie burdens on folks. You are, how many of us tie burdens upon our brothers and sisters? How many of us complain about everything that goes on in the congregation? We complain about the food. We complain about the sermons. We complain about Sunday school. But yet we don't participate ourselves. What are we being, what legacy are we actually leaving for other folks to remember us by? When you pass on and that casket rolls out, what are people going to remember you by? What would be what would be what would be what you have given or dedicated? What would what would be your legacy that you la that you left behind for others to follow? He goes on and says, and they're lifting their tassels of their garments. See, they wanted to appear to be as holy people. Why is it that we only want to appear to be holy, but we don't strive to be holy? Why is it that we appear to be holy? But the things that come out of our mouths and our actions do, do not appear as though we are actually holy. And what are we leaving behind for others to see? He goes on and says, they love the place of honor in a banquet and the chief seats in the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi, teacher. They, they want to be called a teacher, a, a, a rabbi. But yet the legacy that they're leaving behind is one that God doesn't recognize or appreciate. You all, I want you to go back to the Old Testament. Now, now watch this. Here's God's people. And God's people are the ones that should be sharing the word to the world, sharing the word to, to others. But let us go to 2 Chronicles. In the chapter 34. Now remember in Deuteronomy, Israel gives, I mean, Moses gives these instructions to Israel. For them to teach the word of God, to make sure that it is, it is not lost, that it's always on the heart. It's on, the, on your hearts, your children's hearts, and your grandchildren's heart. Now, I want y'all to think about something as we're turning to 2 Chronicles. And I'm going to turn there as well. I want y'all to think about something as you're turning to 2 Chronicles. I'm going to ask you this question. Remember I, told you, remember I made the statement as we started that I wanted to challenge you? How many of us talk to our children about what they learned in Sunday school? How many of you all, when Sunday school is over and worship is over, you're headed home, how many of you all talk to your children? What did you learn in Sunday school? How many times, parents, have you went and sat in that Sunday school class to see what is being taught? 
How many of you all have went in there to see what your child is learning? See, how many of our kids know that worship is for them too, that they are part of worship. They're just not somewhere coming somewhere where grown folks are coming to repent and sing praises and, and give to, to a God, that they are part of this as well and that God loves them. When you look throughout the congregation to see we're thinning with our young people as they're going off to college and some of them never come back, why? What legacy are we leaving behind? How many of you all talk to your children as you're leaving out the parking lot? What was the sermon about? What was something that you, you, you received or you took from the sermon? Preachers, how many of you all include your young people in your sermon? Some part of that, that sermon, you're going to be preaching to the young people. See, what legacy are we leaving behind? If we want to, the church to continue to thrive in our communities, because the church is not going to die, but your location may die depending on what we're producing and what we're putting out, amen? What we're producing and what we're putting out. So I'm asking this question. One more as we're going to Second Chronicles. In America, we have a saying that America's favorite time, pastime is what? Baseball. You all, we will teach our children, we, we wanna carry on the legacy of our teens and all those things. And all this stuff is fine with moderation. But here's my question. Why, why is studying the Bible not our favorite pastime? Why is talking to our children about God not our favorite pastime? What was, what was God trying to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6? Was he trying to keep him, uh, uh, his word and him on the mind of his people? What happen, happens when God is no longer on our people's minds? Yo, look at children. Even our youngest child, even a one-year-old, we put a phone in their hand to keep them quiet or get their attention. What are we teaching them? How many of us are singing songs? When the last time you heard the song, Yes, Jesus Loves Me? When the last time have we sung this to children? When the last time we heard the song, He has the whole world in their hand? You all, there was legacies that was left behind for us. What are we leaving for the future? Can we truly look at the church and say, Wow, the church is going to be in good hands. I'm not worried. Can you truly say right now, if you were to die, that the church would be in good hands? What we are putting out, we know it's going to, it, the church is going to last because what we have put out there, we know it can sustain. Do you all know the most dangerous place you can send your child is to college? Not to the military, to college. Most people lose their souls. Some lose their life. Some get attached to drugs in college. But what are we teaching them? What legacy are we leaving them? Let's look at 2 Chronicles now with all that said. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, I'm going to start at verse number 11. I'm sorry, 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 14. Watch what the Bible says here. 2 Chronicles 34, 14. When they were bringing out the money which had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Notice he said, it said he found the book of the law that was given by Moses. You found it? Well, how did it become lost? Let's keep reading. Hilkiah responded and said to, to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Then Shaphan brought the book to the king and reported further word to the king saying, everything that was entrusted to your servants, they are doing. They have also emptied out the money which were found in the house of the Lord 
and they delivered it into your hands and the supervisors are and the workmen. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book. Notice he said he gave me a book. No, he gave you the book. Watch what the Bible says. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard, heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Let, let me show you how amazing Josiah was. They told him, we, we got all this money and things out of the house of the Lord. He didn't get excited about that at all. Josiah wanted to restore what God had put in place. Tear down all these false idols. Don't worship these false gods. That's, that, that's what his, that was his main concern. And his legacy goes on. His story is constantly being told as one of the righteous kings of Israel. There wasn't many, but he was one of them and one of the youngest but he was righteous. When this king heard what had transpired, he tore his clothes. He went into mourning. Watch what, what, watch what the Bible says. He said, then the king commanded Hilkiah and Iakam, uh, uh, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Asa, the king's servant, saying, go in a choir of the Lord for me, and for those who are left in the Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book which has been found, for great is the wrath of, of the Lord. Watch what he says. He says, which is poured out on us. Why? Because, he said, because our fathers have not observed the word of the Lord. Look, the fathers didn't leave a legacy. You all, they didn't observe, observe the word. Therefore, it didn't carry on to the next generation and the next generation. By the time it got to Josiah, the people was in error because of the legacy that was left behind. You all, we'll tell everybody about our heritage. We go, we go, we go and pay to see all everything down by our family, family tree. We want to know about you know, our family history. All these things we want to know about. But here, God want us to know and have a relationship with him. And for us to not have a relationship with a God that has given everything, including himself. The Bible says that Jesus is the propitiation, the payment for our sin. And here his own people had forgotten about him and forgotten his word. Listen, is that possible today that we can lose the word of God? Y'all, just because we're carrying around don't mean that we haven't lost it. How is it that false doctrine is so easy to creep into the, the worship service of God? How do we change the structure for the instructions of what God has given us? When the last time have you heard a lesson, Sunday school, Bible class, or worship on musical instruments? When the last time have our children heard these things to know what is proper when it comes to worshiping God? How should I approach God? What should be my attitude and my mindset? What should that be? I'm asking you, what is the legacy that you're leaving behind? Why is children today, why do they not have a reverence for God? Why do they don't, why do they don't respect God? Is that because of us? Is that because of us? It's not because of God. What is your attitude Toward God. Brother, I got a great attitude toward God. Let's take it this way. What is your attitude toward the church? I love the church. Okay, let's take it a little bit deeper. 
What is your attitude toward individual members? What do your children hear from you when they hear you talking about other members of the Lord's church? See, sometimes we can be leaving a legacy. We're leaving, leaving a legacy whether we know it or not. But many times, you all, we may be leaving a negative legacy. Sometimes our children may be thinking in their mind, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to get away from, from here. I'm going to get away from this church. I'm going to get away from these folks. This can be their attitudes. How do you know, Brother Sean? That was my That was my attitude. I said, as soon as I graduate high school, I'm out of here. Because the way that people were, the way that they treated my family because we were poor, because we didn't have much, it's amazing that we can look down on one another. And I'm asking you, these, these things drove me right from the church. Now, it's still my fault. I still have a responsibility to come to God. But what if I never came back? What if my soul would have been eternally lost because I never found my way back? What if God didn't allow me to live to come back? So I want y'all to understand something. Us older folks, some of us, we are, we, let, me, let me explain it to you like this about sin. Some folks' blessings are going to be deferred. Some folks' blessings are going to be lost. Why? Some of us didn't know any better. God still punishes, and he, and he may defer that blessing. Some folks, because of rebellion, they're going to lose their blessing, and some are going to lose their soul. You all, we need to think about what are we leaving behind? What actually is my life saying to others? Why is it that my coworker don't want to, when I invite him to come to worship, why doesn't he want to come to worship? Does he hear me gossiping with others? You all remember when I first started working for the government, and when I first got there, people were complaining. They said, man, you don't want this job. You don't want this. They started complaining. Here's the statement I told those folks. I don't see any of you all putting in resignations. I don't see any of you all putting in resignation. And I'm going to tell you something that one of my beloved brothers told me from another congregation, Brother Stacy. I love this words. What are you contributing to make it better? What are you contributing to make it better? You all, we need to ask the, ask the question, what is my contribution to the church? What is my contribution to the congregation that I am? Am I the only one sitting back complaining, talking about this is the seat that I've been sitting in for 15, 20 years? That's your only contribution? What is your contribution to what Jesus died for? We need to look at the legacy that we are leaving behind. Here, Israel had lost the word of God. Let's go to Ezekiel 30, 36. Let me show you something else that, that, that had happened also with Ezekiel. I mean, with the children of Israel. Not only did they, had they, had they lost the word of God, that was back during uh, Josiah's time, but they also gave God a bad name. His name was bad when it came to the other, other people, non-Jewish uh, non folks who were non-proselytes, who was not part of the Jewish family. The, the name of God was a bad taste in, in, the, in the world's mouth. Let's look at what the Bible says here. In Ezekiel 36, verse 22, Ezekiel 36, 22, watch what he says. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for my holy name, which you profane. Now, how, how do you think God feels when his own children profanes his name? What legacy are we leaving behind? Well, how do we profane the name of God? How do we profane him? You all look at how we treat his worship. 
Look at how we bring our children to worship. See, I, I, uh, there's a case that's going on, and I don't want to get into this at all. I just want to use it as an example. There's a case with uh, the R&B singer, R. Kelly, and he's going to be sentenced here for molesting young girls and 14 on up. I don't know the age. I, I didn't keep up the trial. I didn't even watch it. Just want to make a point to you. I heard a woman come on and say, makes a statement. He had taken advantage of our daughters and he had and he paraded our daughters. And I asked myself a question because so I look at the world who is so hypocritical, the world who's so hypocritical. And we're talking about uh, parading our daughters and that we are that he sold off our daughters. How many of us are parading our children? Let me let me prove a point to you. And it's going to turn some stomachs with some folks. Let me just prove a point so you can see what I'm saying for a minute here. You got a 13, 14 year old child, eight year old child, whatever age they're, they're children. Why do we allow our children to dress in the manner that they do? How is it that, that mom have on shorts that's way too short and the daughter come right behind her with shorts that's way too short? What, what, what message are we putting in our children's mind? Why is it that our children, if they're going to be cheerleaders, they have to wear the attire that they wear? I, I asked the school that. My daughter wanted to be a cheater. I did not want her to be a cheater. I'm like, why do they have to wear that attire? And in Mississippi, they have what they call a drill team. And the attire even becomes more and more revealing. Why do we allow those things? How is that acceptable in society? How do we look at one man and say, look at what he's done, but look at what we're doing? How, what, what legacy, what mindset are we putting into our children? I've seen people come into the Lord's house wearing clothes that's so revealing. I'm like, are you coming to worship God or are you going out to some event? What are we teaching here, family? This question needs to be asked. What are we teaching our sons? You know, I used to tell my son, when you get up, son, you don't come out the room not dressed. You don't walk around the house without a shirt on. Your body is, is going to be for a future wife, one person. A future wife. I don't care how much weight you lift. I don't care how much you work out. God only designed us to be with one person. Why are we trying to show the world our body parts? Ask that, ask that question. What are we trying? What legacy are we leaving behind? What are we imprinting on our child, children's heart? Now let's take it another step deep, deeper on what legacy we're leaving behind. Let, let's get a little bit, let's come home a little bit more. I've seen this. We have Bible class on Wednesday night. People didn't show up. They said, well, you know, I didn't come. Because my son had a test on Thursday. So he had to study. But on Friday night, the, the week before, he knew he had this test coming this, the next Thursday. But you all, you all was at the Friday night football game. Now, Saturday morning, you all went to a college game or watched college on, 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 on television. Sunday evening, after worship, you rushed home after you get the bike to eat, you watching NFL football. Then come Wednesday, oh, he has a test, she has a test, and they cannot come to Wednesday night Bible class. So what legacy, what are you imprinting in the hearts of your children? What are you telling them? That God is second rate. God is second rate. He's not important. His word is not important. High school football was more important. College football was more important. NFL football was more important. All those things was more important. And now your schoolwork is more important. Let me help you with something. I have to tell my children, study to learn, not to pass. They looked at me. I said, if you learn, you will pass. See, you're not studying to cram. And if you cram, you're gonna get just what you you're gonna get just what you deserve in L. Because if wins tonight, we're gonna be in Bible class. You just gonna get an L. That, that didn't bother, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me to see an F on my child's report card when they didn't deserve an A or B or a C. Hello. That didn't bother me. 
You got exactly what you deserve. And that they taught them to be responsible. What are we teaching our children? You all, that bothers me, especially as a preacher. When I look out in the audience on Wednesday night and our children are not there. The people come to me, oh, they had a test. What does that have to do with God? What does that have to do with God? We put everything aside when we want to. But the first thing, the first thing most people put aside is God. So what legacy are you leaving behind? Why is the church struggling in a manner they're struggling to have membership, to have people, to evangelize? Why are we struggling so much? Because the legacy that we're leaving behind. Watch what the Bible says here, still in Ezekiel. He says, he said, the name that you profane, he said, among the nations where you went. He said, you profane my name out among strangers. Strangers, you profane my name. He goes on here and says, listen, he says, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. Notice what God said. I'm going to vindicate my name. Not because of you. No. You profane my name. Family, how many of us are causing God's name to be bad in our neighbors, our co-workers? Why is it that so many people say, I don't believe in religion. I don't believe in Christianity. Why do so many people look at us as hypocrites? You all know people are going to think what they want to think. But we should not be contributing to their thoughts, negative thoughts, that is. We shouldn't be contributing to their negative thoughts. Amen. So I'm asking this question. What legacy are you leaving behind? Watch what the Bible said. He goes on here and says, he said, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned amongst the nations, which you have profaned in their in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. God has to prove himself holy. His children wasn't being holy. So he said, I'm going to show the nation I'm holy. You all, sometimes part, God's part of being holy, sometimes him showing that he's holy, is showing that we're going to be punished. He's showing I'm not going to allow my children to act unrighteous and to get away with it. So part of that being holy is allowing his, the world to see his children suffering for their actions. How many of us, we are suffering because of, the, uh, because of our actions, because of our actions? You all, let me show you some positive uh, legacies that was left behind that we still read about today that it happened over, over 2,000, it's been over 2,000 years. I want you all to see one of the legacies that Moses left behind. Go to Numbers, the chapter's 12. Numbers, the chapter's 12. Numbers, the chapters 12, <clears throat> verse number one. Numbers, the chapters 12, verse number one. Verse three is the key verse. I'm not going to read all of this because I, I know it's talking about uh, Miriam and Aaron when they uh, came at Moses. But I just want you to see what the Holy Spirit allowed to be written about Moses. And I think it's beautiful. In, in Numbers, the chapters 12, verse number one, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoke only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Wow. And God heard the conversation. God hears everything. What, what, he's, what, what he's showing you here is that God addresses the conversation. Watch what the Bible says. The Bible says, now, now the man Moses was very humble more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Isn't that beautiful? 
Can God say something like that about you, about me? How humble that we I am. Sean is a humble individual. Man, can God actually say that about me? Is that the legacy that I'm leaving behind that people will talk about for years? Most of you all talk about your grandparents and met your grandparents, your great-grandparents and your, your great-grandmother and uncles. And What's some of the things that you talk about? Negative and both positive. Negative and both positive. Notice that the Bible says here that no one was more humble than Moses. And that's a beautiful statement to make that no one was more humble than him. Look at that legacy. How many times have folks read about this? The beauty of Moses and his humility. And man, you have to be a humble person to deal with people to do nothing but complain and gripe all the time. But he was a humble individual. Let me show you how humble he was. Notice that they came against Moses. Now God uh, caused Miriam to become leper. To become a leper. Watch what Moses says. Suddenly the Lord said to, verse 4, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, you three come out of the tent of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord, the Lord came down and in a pillar of cloud and stood in the doorway of the tent. He called Aaron, Miriam, and when he had both, uh, when both had come forward, he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. He said, not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my household. Wow. Listen to what he says. He's faithful in all my household. Can that be said about us? Is that a legacy that we're leaving behind? They say, man, Brother Sean was a faithful brother. Man, was he faithful. He was humble and faithful to God. Nothing caused him to waver. In all of God's house, he was faithful to all of God's people. He goes on here and says, he says, he said, not so with my, my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in the dark, saying, and he behold, holds the form of the Lord. When they, when they were not afraid to speak against my, why are you not, I'm sorry, why then, were you not afraid to speak against my service Moses, servant Moses? Listen to what God said. He's carrying my image. He's emulating me. If he's emulating me, why are you not afraid to speak against him? Think about this now. I want to talk to, I want to, I want to take, I want to speak for your preachers for a minute. If you all see your preachers and your elders too, elders and deacons as well, you see the service of the Lord conducting themselves in a holy manner, doing the best they can do, why are we not afraid to speak against them because they get something because we think something is wrong or something don't go our way? Why can't why don't we say, man, that is a, our brothers a true man of God, our brethren are true men of God? I'm not going to be speaking against them. No man can get everything. No man gets everything right. If they're doing the best they can do. They're shepherding our, 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 our brother that's the servant, that's the preacher, is preaching and, and bringing the word in and instructing us. Why am I not afraid to speak against him? Why is it so easy for me to say, well, I ain't like that sermon? How long are we going to keep him? Why do we make statements like that? God said, why were you not afraid to speak against him? Isn't that something? The Bible goes on. Listen to what the Bible says. He says, so the anger of the Lord, verse 9, so the anger of the Lord burned against them and he departed. But when the, when the cloud was withdrawn uh, from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous as white as snow, 
Abram turned toward Mira, behold, she was leper. Watch what the Bible said. Then Abram turned, said to Moses, oh my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin toward us in which we have acted foolishly, in which we have both sinned. He said, oh, do not let her be like the dead which, uh, whose flesh it has half eaten away. Look at verse number 13. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, oh God, heal her, I pray. And doesn't, doesn't it show how humble this man is? What would most of us have, would have said? Somebody came and talked against us and something happened to them. We would have said, I mean, that's, that's exactly what they deserve. Not Moses. That, was, that wasn't a legacy that Moses was leaving behind. No. Moses prayed, said, oh Lord, please heal her. You all, is that amazing or what? To, to have met a man like that. I would, that would be amazing to meet someone with that type of spirit and the legacy that he left behind. When Moses died, the people cried and cried and cried. God had to make them get up and go to work because they cried, because they realized what they had, what they were missing, what they had. I don't want to, I hate to use the word lost because Moses didn't go into hell or, or the place of torment, but they no longer had that type of leader. Brothers and sisters, we're not always going to have our preachers and our elders. Some of these, I mean, these folks are going to die and go off one day. Why don't we treat them with the respect that they deserve right now? Why don't we say, what more can I do to aid you, to help you in the work that you're doing? Why don't we do that so we can turn and, and leave a legacy that is worth talking about when we go on? Yo, let's go on as well. I want you to look at one more. Uh, I'm going to give you one more individual's legacy that he left behind. I know my time is moving here. I want you to go to Acts. The chapter is four. Acts, the chapter is four. I'm not going to read all of this one either. Acts, the chapter is four. Watch what the Bible says. Acts, the book of Acts, the chapter is four. Notice what the Bible said. I'm going to start at verse number 36. Acts chapter four, verse 36. Now, Joseph, a Levite of, of, of Sifre, Sifre, birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which was translated means son of encouragement. You all know Barnabas by his name given by the apostles. Barnabas was not his birth name. He was given that name because how he was and how he conducted himself. He was an encourager. How many of us are leaving a legacy behind that we encourage individuals? We encourage each other. We have more people that are condescending and putting folks down than we have people who encourage us. Encourages people to do better. Encourages people to go to do better. And you, you can go back to school and you say, man, what you going back to school for? Instead of encouraging you going, wow. And you going back to school? Yes. I need more knowledge. I need to be better for the Lord. I want to be known as an encourager and an educator. How many of us think on that, on that mindset? The Bible said that he was the son of encouragement. If you need encouraging, Barnabas was the person to call. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me give you something while we sit here. If somebody need encouraging, could the preacher depend on you to encourage them? Could the elders, could the deacons depend on you to be encouraging? Or could they say, I hope you don't go talk to Sean. Boy, he gonna, he gonna run them off. Could he, could he count on you? Could the leadership count on you to be 
and encourage her. Let's go on. I want you to learn one more thing about Barnabas. Let's go to chapter 11. Acts the chapter 11. I want you to know one more thing about Barnabas. Acts the chapter is, is 11. Watch what the Bible says in Acts chapter 11 in verse number, number uh, 22. Acts chapter 11 in verse number 22. Watch what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 2 verse number 22. I'm sorry. I'm going too fast. Acts chapter 11 verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Why did they send Barnabas off? Man, I know he's going to encourage somebody. I'm not worried about Barnabas, though, because he's going to encourage the folks. He goes on here and says, then when the, he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all. Look at that. And why we, they notice in Barnabas, if anybody's going to encourage, it's going to be Barnabas. You all, can you all say that? That's me. Can you all honestly say that's one attribute that I have? I'm a true encourager. Can you say I'm a humble individual? A lot of people, when you hear the word, when you hear them say they humble, you go, he's humble. No, I don't, I don't know why he said that about himself. He's not humble at all. Watch what the Bible says. He was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Can the, can, 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 can the Holy Spirit have this written about you? Would the Holy Spirit allow somebody to write this about you? He's a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. This sounds just like the attributes that the apostles gave the brethren in Acts chapter six, when the Grecian widows were being neglected. This sounds like the exact thing that they said to look out among you, seven men full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom and have a good reputation. Look at Barnabas, he's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And, and a considerable number were brought to the Lord. And, 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 and a considerable number were brought to the Lord. Isn't that amazing to have that written in the Bible about you? Because of your faith, because of your way, your, your, your love and encouragement, so many folks were brought to the Lord. The Lord's kingdom grew and the names grew on the book of life because of your actions, because of your actions. You all, do you, do you realize that we can help people to have their name blotted out by the way we treat them, by the way we approach them, by the way we can be so condescending and negative toward brethren who are weak in the faith, maybe on the verge of leaving and need that nudge to go forward, but yet we pull them backwards. Watch what the Bible says. And, he, and the Bible says, I want you to I want you all to, 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 to catch this last part. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a considerable number were brought to brought to the Lord. And he left Tarsus to look, and he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. Here this man went on off to look for Saul because he was going to encourage Saul. He was going to bring Saul back and help Saul to go on the mission that God had set aside or was planning to set aside for us all. Then I'm asking you the question, what will your legacy be? When you leave this earth, what would people say about you? What are they saying about you right now? What are your children saying about you? I mean, I learned so much about people through their children. When you teach Bible class, get to talking, and you will learn things about your members through their children. Because guess what children do? They begin to talk. 
they begin to talk. You, I want to leave a legacy that's going to go far and beyond my time on earth. And when I die, I would like to know that my great-grandchildren still remember uh, the contribution of their grandfather. How many times have y'all heard the name Gus Nichols, Marshall Keebles, uh, H.L. Bowles? How many times have you, you all heard those names? Freed uh, 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 Hardin. How many times have you all heard those names? Because these, these individuals left legacies that transcends and we continue to talk about them to this day, to this day. Y'all, we're gonna leave a legacy. Please don't, please understand that. But I wanna leave something that, that, that contributes in a positive way and not in a negative way. I wanna contribute in a, in a positive way, not in a negative way. You all, if you've been a Christian who doesn't wear a smile, that is not thankful that Christ paid for your sins, you all, let's change our legacy. Let's, let's not let a few people be the nucleus for the church. A few people that are working. We may have gospel meetings. A few sisters are working to carry the whole load while other folks are sitting back complaining. A few brethren are working on the building and evangelizing. A few, a few brethren while other brothers are sitting back talking in the background. You all, you wonder why we don't have many men? We wonder why we don't have many sons? Because what legacy are the fathers leaving for their sons. What would be your legacy? If the church is going to go forward another 20 years, if Christ hadn't come and the world is not destroyed, with the congregation where you are located right now, will it be in existence in 20 years? Or are you all going through a slow death right now and we're not even realizing? Because you're not giving adequate contributions. You're not giving adequate contributions. Y'all, when you look at this, what legacy are you leaving behind? I want to leave you with Ephesians. I want to leave you with Ephesians. In Ephesians, the chapter is four. I'm not going to really teach this, but I'm just going to give you some points here. I want to, I want to, I want to leave you with that Paul instructed the church at Ephesus. This is what God wants to see from his children. This is what he wants to see from his children. So you look at Ephesians chapter four, starting at verse number one. Watch what he tells them. And this is beautiful. He says, therefore, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. Paul lets you know, I'm a prisoner of God. I'm a slave of God, a doulos. Many times he said, I'm a bond servant. I don't think Paul said these things by mistake. When James and John came to Jesus, wanted to be one and two, wanted to be first. Jesus told them, if you want to be one and two, you first must be a, a servant, a, a deaconess, a servant. Then he said, you must be a slave, a doulos. See, many folks don't want to be a servant, and many folks don't want to be a slave to all, but we want to be first. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Paul often said, I'm a bond servant. He reminded people that he was a servant. Y'all, we need to remind ourselves that we're servants. We're servants. That's what we are for the Lord. We're servants. He goes on and says, he says, I, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you were called. Look, listen to these attributes. With all humility 
and gentleness. He said, I want you to have humility and I want you to be gentle with folks. See, we, we tend to tell people things, but we're not gentle when we tell it to them. We tend to want to tell, give them a piece of our mind instead of really trying to help them to be better. He said, with humility and gentleness, he goes on and says, with patience, showing tolerance. Are you, are, you, are you able to show tolerance toward others? We're so quick to get frustrated and want to push people off. He says, showing tolerance for one another in love. Now, listen to what he says here in verse number three. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. With everything in us, we should be trying to preserve the unity that we maintain in the church and not ripping the fabrics of the church up, tearing the members up. He said, no, I want you to be diligent to hold that thing together. And sometime in order to hold that thing together, family, sometimes we need to be quiet. Sometimes we need to close our mouths. Just because we think of it up here shouldn't come out here. We should keep it to ourselves. Is it, if it's not going to edify, if it's not going to be the, for the furthest of the kingdom, we should keep those things to ourselves. Number, ask yourself a question. Ask you a question. What are you contributing? What are you contributing? Our Savior came and died that we may have the right to eternal life. Look at what Jesus contributed. He didn't send an angel to die for mankind. He came himself. And you all, if you, if you study scourging, that was a horrific scene. Our Savior body was ripped to shreds. I mean, the skin, the flesh was literally ripped from the bone over and over and over again. Look at his contribution. He was spit upon, slapped, a crown of thorns pressed down on his head. He was mocked taken back to Pilate, and they started chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Look at the legacy, man, the humility that he had to take individuals spitting on you, slapping you, beating you worse than they can beat any animal. Then they began to nail him, led him to, to Calvary, and they nailed him to the cross. Look at that legacy. People are still talking about that today. While he was on the cross, he said, several words, seven statements exactly. The first one he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachana, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Forsaken me. That statement is forever imprinted in my heart. I constantly think about that, that Jesus for the first time ever was gonna be separated from God. Not because anything that he's did, he had done, but because the sins of those in the past, the sins of those them right then and the sin of them in the future, which included me, which included me. Finally, his final statement, it is finished. Not, not his suffering. He wasn't worried about his suffering. He was concerned for himself. He was concerned for the creation that he loved, the creation that he created. He loved us. He loved them of old. He loved us now. You all, we need to be, do a better job of teaching about the Jesus, about the Christ telling our children about how much God loves you. Why is the suicide rate so high? So many people don't know that someone loves them. Someone cares for them. We're not leaving a legacy that others want to live by. Want to talk about in a positive manner when they have family reunions, when they're fellowship. You remember Brother Sean? You remember, oh man, I miss that singing he used to do. Man, he was a wonderful, I miss his hugs. Man, he was a warm person at the door. You all know that's one thing I love to do 
up to this day. You come to Tyler Town, the first person you probably want to see is me because I love being at the door, greeting people with a warm smile, a handshake, a hug. The place of God where you come to congregate should be a place that you're coming with warmth. You're glad to be there. You're glad to get a release from the world. I hope this lesson was uh, inviting to you. I hope that it, it, it imprints on your heart and that you would share it with others and that you would think about the legacy that you're leaving behind. You are, we're leaving one, either negative or positive. But I pray that you decide to leave a positive legacy for your children, for your grandchildren, and all the family of God that see you. You all spend more time with our children, grandparents. Spend more time talking to your grandchildren about God. Spend more time singing some of the old songs. Yes, Jesus loved me. Love me. He has the whole world in his hand. Y'all, let our children know that. That no matter what we are going through, God is still in control. And we're not going to turn away from him. We're going to turn to him. This lesson is yours. I pray that God bless each and every one of you all. And I thank you all for being such an awesome audience and giving me uh, your attention for these few minutes.